name is Felicia Wright, and this is the Go Rogue Podcast. Do you feel stuck? Does every day feel like Groundhog's Day? Well, I'm here to tell you it's time to take charge of your life and know that you are meant for more than this. It's time to go rogue. This podcast is for people that are ready to say enough is enough and discover their new normal with entrepreneurship. Get ready because your rogue journey starts now. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to the Go Rogue podcast. I'm super excited because I have Robin Eckersley with us. She is such a phenomenal woman and we are local to each other, which is so exciting. We met in person and I love her. So before we get started, I just want to read a little bit of her bio just so you can get to know her a little bit more. And then she's going to explain all about her story and her history and what she has going on. So I'm super excited. So Robin Eckersley is on a mission to activate and empower 1 million women to live purpose-driven lives. As an impact coach, she takes women who are struggling to grasp their role in, in changing the world and fitting into their busy lives, and she helps them to define their unique vision of, of impact and seamlessly integrate it into their personal and professional lives. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So happy to have you. Thank you, Felicia. I'm so pumped to be here. Thank you so much. Yes, um, I'm really excited about this interview because we actually got to connect in person. And unfortunately, sometimes I don't get to connect with people in person. So it's it's just always even, it's always better when you meet people in person and feel their vibe and their energy. Yes. So I just want to say like, you are phenomenal and you uh, inspired me to do better after we met. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed our conversation when we got to meet and, um, I love what you're up to. I love your commitment to your cause and man, we need more people when we need more women specifically like you. So thanks for doing what you're doing. Thank <laughs> you. is, that's definitely the first of I'm sure many, many get togethers that we're going to have. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but your goal is to impact 1 million women. And after we met, I was like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm up the ante here. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. Like, honestly, so I public, this is mid-February that we're mm -hmm. recording this. And I publicly stated that whole 1 million women um, goal at the beginning of this year. And the uh -huh. thing is, you know, one of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves when we set goals is to publicly declare them yeah. because we can say, you know, to ourselves, like I'm going to impact a million women and I'm going to change a million lives. And we can just keep that like within our small, either just to ourselves or just with our families or spouses or, you know, in our small community. But you know, at the end of the day, when you say it out loud and other people who you know and maybe don't know hear it, it becomes real. Whether or not they're going to check up on you and say, hey, like, how's that one million women thing coming along? Hopefully they do that because you've said something that that sticks with people that's like, whoa, she's really about this. Mm -hmm. Or you know that it's like, mm, I can't really go back on it now. You know what? It's it's real. Feet <laughs> to the fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's partially because, um, it's it's my like little personal rebellion against the whole. If I just change one life, I'm like, girl, you could change so many more lives. Let's not keep it to one life. So that was part of me like rebelling against that, and then also 
the whole accountability part of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh man, like I'm, I'm saying it. So I gotta be about it. So it's, it serves multiple purposes. Yeah. And honestly, it's powerful. I mean, like we're like, we just dove on into this. We're going to get to your backstory here in a second. But (laughs) um, when I started this podcast, I actually made a banner and said, go rogue podcast releasing on August something. I can't remember my release date. At that point, I didn't have a mic. I didn't know how I was going to do it. And I didn't Mm -hmm. even have podcast hosting. I had nothing. But I made an announcement in two weeks, in, within two weeks, I had it up and running. So I was like, Amazing. there's no back, backing out now. People know yeah. about it. <laughs> totally. And if you had said, that's the thing about being specific too. You said coming August or whenever the date was. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so much more powerful when you can be very specific about it instead of like, oh, you know, at the end of the year, I'm going to do this. Or hopefully by the beginning of that, it's way too vague and there's way too much room for you to slip on by and it's way too much room for you to just make excuses and for things to come up mm-hmm. and to, for you to justify not doing it so I mean the fact that it's a physical banner that's freaking awesome first of all <laughs> and that is specific. <laughs> the fact that it had a date on it too like you know it could be starting a business it could be starting a podcast it could be you know million women it could be you know cleaning the bathroom Honestly, you know, whatever it is that you're looking to do, um, if you can be as specific and as clear with it and have as many people holding you accountable to it as possible, the much more statistically likely you are to actually get it done. So this whole, like, you know, oh, you know, one day I'm going to quit smoking. One day I'm going to lose 10 pounds. One day I'm going to start eating right. It's like you won't until you commit to it. Yeah. And that's, I mean... A lot of times we're just not honest with ourselves. But <laughs> yeah, and I think that might be us giving ourselves leeway to like fail or quit or whatever pops up. So yeah, yeah. it's like hold your feet to the fire. Like it, it works. It truly does work. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um, go backwards a little bit about how you got here because you have this amazing goal and you're going to impact so many women. I think you're going to impact more than that. But tell me a little bit about your background and what led you down this path. Sure, sure. Um, let's see. Well, I'm like, how much time do we have? Um, all so, the time. <laughs> all the time. Um, so I like to think about it as uh, kind of the merging of two paths that I was on. Mm-hmm. So one uh, was the personal path and one was the professional path. Now, personally, so I'm a child of immigrants. Um, My mom is from the UK. My dad is from Hong Kong. Um, They came to the States in the 70s. And so I grew up in the 80s and 90s in America, in Maryland, in the suburb of DC, and trying to navigate my way. First of all, DC is a super international city. And so being surrounded by people from all cultures was very normal for me. And growing up trying to identify, like, what does it mean to be British? What does it mean to be Chinese? What does it mean to be American when everything is literally a giant melting pot? Like the the description of America being a melting pot was like essentially my life growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to figure out what that even means on a personal level. How am I supposed to behave? How, like, what values do I hold as most important to me? Um, you know, how am I supposed to be a good daughter? How am I supposed to be a good student? All of these expectations Mm -hmm. for me kind of felt like they were at odds. 
So all throughout my youth and my childhood, I was like, I don't know who I am because I also never met anyone like me at that point. Mm -hmm. um, so that I was on this kind of like, who am I identity quest? And I had no one to really look to as a role model in that respect. Um, so I grew up very kind of confused. I grew up really frustrated with not knowing who I am or who I'm supposed to be. And that led to a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of self-worth issues. Um, and then compounded on top of that, I went to university in the South at a Baptist school and <laughs> interesting <laughs> listeners if you could see Felicia's face right I now know. <laughs> she's like what <laughs> and so and also I even though I went to a school a high school that was associated with a cathedral so it was Episcopalian it was very liberal it was very like let's learn about all religions let's understand how different people from different faiths kind of see the world I was like oh you know religiously associated schools it's no big deal but I had never come across the Baptist faith which takes it much more seriously right yes. and so plus being in the south and which was another like culture shock completely mm -hmm. I was completely not accepted there um I was <laughs> I was called a Yankee I was like people still call people Yankees these That's days a thing. <laughs> yeah I'm like, what, what? <laughs> so I was, you know, this random girl from the North, from a suburb of DC, people were asking me if I have been shot and if I am, am I in a gang? And really? I'm like, what kind of TV shows are you watching? Like, what is, no, I'm not in a gang and no, I have not been shot and no, I don't go to church either. And so people were like, oh my gosh, like, that's a big deal. you're going to hell. Yeah. And I want to save your soul. And I was like, can I just get an education? That's yeah. all. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to keep my soul. Yeah. Uh, can you just let me do my thing? And it got to the point so much where I was not accepted by the majority of the student body. I found actually a much stronger sense of community among the black population of the students there. And so I was like, I could find shared experiences of not being, not being welcome, not being included. And that absolutely had an impression on the next few years of my life as well. So now I have like four cultures going on inside of me. Like, I don't know who I am or what, what's going on. <laughs> but there's beauty in that. Like, I truly believe that going to a school, like I, I taught in a predominantly Hispanic and African-American school, but I love being at schools where all cultures are represented because there's so many different perspectives. Like the way you see things, like my, my husband's Caucasian and some of the conversations we have, I'm just like, you think what now? Like, <laughs> and it's just like, my way of thinking is just so foreign to him. But I think there's beauty in that and kids coming together that look like everybody, look yeah. ways, and then they can learn from each other. Yeah. Yeah. It was very interesting from like a, a population study kind of, yeah. you know, observation where I go from a very like international um community I guess from from birth until high school and then going to a community in the south where it is very specifically you are either white or you are either black and you do not hang out with each other and you do not basically associate with each other That's but nice. everyone is super religious so you have that in common but so I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself I didn't know like 
so socially, it was very difficult for me to make ties. Um, and then that kind of brings us back to like the professional track of this <laughs> path of confusion. <laughs> Whereas something that also fed into my having a pretty not great college experience was um, the fact that I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought that you deciding your major in college was supposed to dictate what the rest of your life looks like, your working life. Yeah. So I had three majors in three years. Um, yep. <laughs> How on earth did you do that? Like, that's insane. Like, for me. Yeah. Yeah. It was insane for me, too. <laughs> I... Because you, the way that you make decisions, this is so illustrative of, of how people make decisions because my first major was accounting. Mm-hmm. And I made that decision because I was like, accounting, accountants make good money and they have stable jobs and this seems like a smart decision. Yeah. So that's why I chose it. It's like a very logical decision. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my gosh, if I sit behind a desk and crunch numbers all day, like I will go insane. I would go totally insane. So that wasn't for me and my personality. So I switched tracks and I'm like, okay, biology. I'm super fascinated by science, by biology, by genetics, all of that good stuff. Um, But so I chose the whole, uh, this is something I'm interested in path. But career wise, I was like, what do biologists even do? Like, I think they fight for grant funding all the time. And that sounds super stressful. (laughs) And at the time when I was in school, they had just cloned Dolly the sheep. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. Yeah. And so now there's a layer, not only of funding, but also of um, ethics saying, you know, just because you can do something scientifically, whatever, um, should you? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I, I can't even like decide who I am. How can I decide anything about, you know, the ethics and morality behind science? And so I started to shy away from that too. Um, And then I started to, you know, our conversation about different groups of people and how we all interact and see the world differently. My third major was sociology. Okay. Like, okay, this is really cool. Like how people interact, how different communities um, support one another, what different values they hold, how they move through the world Um, that I can get behind. And Uh, that was something that I was really interested in my junior year. Unfortunately, my whole understanding of what I was, what life was about and what I was about had taken, had come to a head in terms of I had a lot of depression. Mm -hmm. And so at that time I had checked myself into therapy and all that stuff. And I was super depressed. I was like, what's the point of all of this? Because I don't know what I'm doing. And so I left because I wasn't going to school, I wasn't doing my homework, and it was a very competitive university. And I was like, I shouldn't be take my justification was that I shouldn't be taking up a space in the student body when so many other people apply and they don't get in and they would take advantage of this much more than I am. Mm-hmm. So I told I was like, I need to leave. I don't know, I'm gonna figure it out. Please give my spot to someone else who is going to take advantage of the education because it was a very, it was a very, it was a great school and someone else could use that experience better than I was at the time. Yeah. So when I left school, I decided to work for a little bit because I wanted to be a contributing member of society (laughs) (laughs) and figure out what the heck I'm doing with my life. I know. 
We all feel that way. What are we doing? <laughs> I know you're always asking that question, <laughs> no matter how old you are. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, of course, my parents were like, excuse me, what are you doing? It's junior year. You have one more year. Can you just stick it out for your bachelor's? And I was like, no, it's not right. Like, I can't do this. Uh, so I left and then I ended up finishing at the University of Maryland in College Park, which I absolutely adored. Mm-hmm. And I finished with a Chinese language, literature and culture degree because in the background of all these majors, I had been taking racking up the Chinese credits, essentially, like course credits. Wow. Yeah. And at that point, when I went back to school in Maryland, I was like, I just need this degree because no one is hiring me because I don't have a bachelor's. So let me get a bachelor's in literally anything right now, just so I can work. Mm-hmm. So it was more a strategic reason for graduating rather than like, oh, I found my passion. Um, and That's- so after that, I completely agree with that. Like, I understand, like, why you would do that. And I would have done the exact same thing. But I think the like, I almost want to highlight, like, you hopping from degree to degree. Well, you didn't finish it, but like, uh, major to major, that's what I'm looking for. And Mm -hmm. I think people need to realize more that we don't have it all figured out when we're 18, 19, 20. 30, 40, we don't have it all figured out. And when we're so young trying to make that decision, it's, it's a lot to put on a child really, because even myself, I made some of the same decisions. It's like, well, I'll go into engineering because it makes good money and it's stable. I I went down that same path too. So I think it's important to really highlight that because I know we're not the only two that went through that. Yeah. Because I left in my junior year as well. Oh, did you? Oh, I didn't know that. And then I went back and finished my teaching degree. But I I started out hearing. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The thing is, I think one of the biggest tragedies that I see um, in women who are of older generations are that they didn't give themselves that permission to change courses. Yeah. Like to switch direction and say, this isn't working for me in whatever way, maybe it's not fulfilling, maybe it's not, you know, what you allowing you to live the life that you want, but they stick it out because they either think it's too late to change Mm -hmm. or to just be grateful for what you have. Just suck it up. Many people are suffering with like way worse circumstances than you. So I should just be grateful for this like semi unfulfilling life that I have now. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it's such a tragedy to miss out right and honestly it's it that story your story is a testament to how strong you were even as an 18 19 20 year old because you had the the strength and the courage to say like no like this isn't for me I'm leaving and that's really hard to do it's so hard to do, especially with parents. Like I know my parents are like, I would, they would have been the same way. Like, girl, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, but I can't do it anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. The pressure from, from wanting to make the people who are most important in your life proud is enormous. Whether, whether the people in your life are being overt about it, um, being like, no, you need to do this. Or I think you're totally wrong. Or I think you're totally bonkers. Um, or if they're kind of like, I'll support you in whatever decision you make, but they're like, you can tell that they're like freaked out for you. 
that, um, that pressure that we put on ourselves because we want to make the people in our lives happy and proud and feel safe when we don't know what the heck we're doing in the first place. It's hard to, and that's kind of like when my relationships with my, with the people close in my life started to break down as well. Mm. So like, I felt like I couldn't tell people what I was doing in my life and I couldn't justify my decisions. Cause to me, I kind of didn't know what I was doing either. Well, hundred percent didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in order for us to, I think, step out and find the right path, we have to just first leave the path that we're on. We don't know what might be on the other side, but it's okay to take those first steps. Even when you don't know necessarily what direction you're going on, it's okay to do that. Yeah. But I, I'm so happy that you said that because like we all need to hear it. Even myself included after taking some leaps, but it's still, I need to constantly tell myself that because we, we all think it's just like, we'll just, you know, suck it up. Yeah. Together, do what you're supposed to do, but that's, yeah. that's just not the right answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this whole like mentality of I think it's still quite strong today, but I think it might be dying out a little bit is that you made your bed in it. Now you better lie in it. kind of approach. It's like, it's doing everybody a disservice because that person who's unhappy with the bed that they chose um, could be better serving society in some other way. If you just give them permission and they just give themselves permission to say, Hey, you know what? I don't want to be, let's say an engineer, or I don't want to be a biologist. or I don't want to do this stuff that, my degree that I only got because society is telling me I have to have a degree, (laughs) Um, (laughs) like isn't, isn't cutting it for me, but you know what? I would really love to learn more about nutrition. I'd really love to learn more about teaching, helping other people Mm -hmm. and for us to box people in because of choices they made with information that they had at the time and like limited exposure to resources. Like it's just, it's just a shame because so many people miss out on a personal level of personal fulfillment and achievement, but societal societally, we could all benefit from people being, you know, in the place that they're best suited and they're happiest in, you know, the teacher who's forced to show up in a classroom and she's miserable all day is not, you know, serving kids as best as someone who's like, this is my life. I love it. You know, and it's, like, let it happen. It's okay. Let people choose. Let people live. God. <laughs> I completely agree with you. It's like people need to show up the way they are passionate to show up. So let me take you back to, so now you're graduated now. Yes. And yeah. are all your dreams, have they all been fulfilled at this point? Where did you go from there? Oh my gosh. It went from I'm graduated, like dream come true to like total nightmare very quickly, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So at the time I was still, you know, I was like, all right, check mark, got the degree. Now people like think I'm worth something and they can pay me for work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was still on this space of like, I don't know what I'm doing in this life. I don't, you know, I'm just trying to make it. I'm just trying to hustle and get money and pay bills. And yeah. that's my goal, essentially, just very short term thinking. Um, and I ended up in a very abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I was attracting people who, um, who were taking leadership, taking leadership of the relationship because I didn't know how to be a leader personally, like for myself or in a relationship or in most circumstances. Um, I was just trying to get by. 
just in life in general. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so it got to the point where it was verbally, emotionally, physically very abusive. I became very isolated from all the people who I've been trying to, you know, <laughs> impress with all of these crazy decisions. Yeah. In the first place. And um, at that point, it was, I was with this person for over four years. It was almost, it was about five years when oh, I finally met. That's a significant relationship. That's a long time. Yeah. And it was half of my twenties. And when you're in your twenties, you know, you're figuring out, well, you're really figuring out who you are and what, who you are not. And what do you like? What do you not like? All that good stuff. It's a really developmental stage um, for people, I think. And I was kind of in this situation where I had plateaued. I had totally settled and accepted my circumstances as this is as good as it's going to get for me. Mm -hmm. I am going to be arguing all the time. I'm going to be covering up bruises all the time. I'm just going to be trying to get by and this is my life now. And again, you know, why should I complain when millions of other women around the world have it way worse than me? You know, human trafficking is a thing. Modern day slavery is a thing. Like people are killed every single day. Like there are much worse circumstances. This is how I justified it than okay. me yeah. uh, being in this relationship. You know, why should I be so selfish, right? To want something more. So that was kind of the script that was playing in my mind. Wow. Um, how did you get past that? Like, what was the catalyst to push you? Because there's yeah. always, always be something like to push people out of like, you know, that narrative that you're playing over and over in your head where it just becomes who you are. So there's yeah. typically a catalyst of like a shove off the cliff. Yeah. Like, oh, do something different. <laughs> what was yeah. it for you? Especially, especially with something so, so serious as that. And when you, and like when you are in that victim mindset, of nothing's in my control. I can't help my circumstances. The world just like happens around me. When you've given up all power, then like it's, it takes a lot for you to get out of that mentality. So whether it's, you know, you're stuck in a job that you hate or you're stuck in a relationship you hate, um, it's, it's the same processes that are happening inside. So for me, I don't know, uh, I don't know the exact moment it was, but I had this kind of aha realization of, oh my gosh, I am giving, I'm living my future right now. This, this is all there that life is going to be for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, okay, um, there's never going to be a time that I'm not working multiple jobs to pay for our lifestyle. Uh, I'm never going to live in a safe environment because I keep accepting this person back into my life. I keep enabling them mm -hmm. and I'm acting as a crutch for them to get the help that they need um, to be a functional, like healthy human being. Yeah. And by me staying here, I know because I've lived it for the past five years that every day going forward is going to be the same day over and over again. It's going to be like groundhog day. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, it was a horrible realization. Like I have no future. This is it. This is absolutely it. And every other line had been crossed. Like every line in a relationship had been crossed. And I had up to that point justified it all or explained it all or made excuses for all of it. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, the idea of this is all your life is ever going to be was my, the straw that broke the camel's back. I was like, 
no, 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 no. <laughs> this person has done, said, and taken everything from me at this point. They're not going to take my future. Wow. And that, that's the day when I started to put the plan into the place saying, um, okay, I'm going to choose this date. Remember, like getting super specific. This right. is going to be the date that I leave. Uh-huh. This is how it's going to happen. I have no idea what else is going to happen, what's going to be on the other side, but I have to get out of this one step at a time. And so I reached out to a couple of my sorority sisters who I had not spoken with in a while. And they were like, I asked if I could just crash on their couch. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how long I'm going to be there. Um, and they were like, of course, a million percent. We've been waiting for you essentially to like be ready to leave. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. It was very, uh, yeah, I'm extremely grateful to them. And like, like I knew that things were going to get worse before they got better because in situations like this, usually someone has a very serious temper. Usually someone has a very difficult way of processing emotions that they don't like to feel. So like feeling out of control, feeling angry, feeling confused, that type of person like combined with volatility is totally unpredictable. Yes. I was like, okay, this is, I just have to brace myself, but I've been through worse. So let's see what happens. Um, and yeah, I left that weekend. I think it was, I think it was like two weeks after that decision. So it was pretty quick, but okay. um, that was your date like two weeks later. I was like, okay, this is the date. I know he's going to be out of town for work. So I'm just going to throw whatever I can in the car and leave as soon as he's far enough out of town. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it was slowly putting the pieces of my life back together. Yes. Like I heard through friends that like this person ended up going to jail, that he, you know, went, he started drinking all the time, started getting fights all the time. And I'm like, I kind of expected it, but Mm -hmm this is the right decision for both of us because he kind of needs to hit rock bottom, rock bottom too, for him to realize he needs help. Yeah. And I definitely need to start over. Um, and from there I started, I, the pendulum swung the other way where mm-hmm. I went no freedom and no independence or anything to being like freedom. Like I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to party and I'm just going to live my life. Yeah. Make up for lost time. Um, and at that point I was really angry. Honestly, I had a lot of anger issues because of that relationship. I really resented that relationship mm-hmm. and that person. And I decided that the best way to get through it was just to party and to work hard, play hard, essentially. Mm-hmm. Threw myself into my work, threw myself into socializing and was like, you know, going life at a hundred miles an hour, essentially. Um, and then I met my husband, my now husband. And he met me when I was a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> he would probably just take off the mess part. Yeah. <laughs> I met her. She was hot. <laughs> well, it was so funny because it was like, at that point, I was anti-relationship. I was like, mm-hmm. relationships trap you. You can't make any decisions on your own. And he was like, pie in the sky. Like, it's going to be great. We should date. I'm like, like we are, we're best friends. He, he and I have been best friends for a long time. And all of a sudden we started like being interested romantically in each other. And we thought it was super weird. And I was like, yeah. a friend. I should not yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, trust me, we should try this. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, 
well, this is going to go down in flames. And I'm going to tell you, I told you so. I'm going to be really mad at you because now I will have lost a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, he and I decided we're also, we're done with the East Coast. Let's just start over in California and figure it out again. One right step in the right direction, mm-hmm. figure out the rest on the way. Uh, and he, uh, he was very patient with me as I, as I healed, essentially, as I understood how to process my own emotions and go through that healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been by my side ever since. And he, yeah, <laughs> he's a super cutie. He's a, he's a great guy, obviously. And, um, oh, that's great. Yeah. We ended up working in the tech industry in, uh, the Bay area in San Francisco. Um, and that kind of professional, what am I doing with my life thing had still not been resolved. Personally, I was on the right track. Professionally, I was still like, I want my work to matter in the world and the work that I'm doing, I feel like doesn't really make a difference in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to go work for, you know, the United Nations. <laughs> what can I do in the meantime? And at that point, we had moved to Vegas. I'm really fast forwarding now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we were planning our wedding. It was 2015. And um, I had split from my last company because I was like, I, I can't do this. I don't like working for you. You don't like me working for you anymore. So like, <laughs> this is a natural break was coming. Um, and then I was like, okay, now what? Like, yeah. I still have no idea who I am or what I'm doing. And this was late, late twenties. Yeah. I hadn't turned 30 yet. Um, and so that's when I, I like to say serendipitously, but I think the universe was like playing a trick on me mm-hmm. when I got a group on <laughs> here in Las Vegas <laughs> for two for one services, um, at a local spa that I like to go to. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, let me go get my massage and let me see what else they offer. Thinking I was going to get a facial or something. Mm-hmm. They had a life coach on staff. And I was like, what the heck is a life coach? Like, that sounds like a fake, that, that sounds like a fake job. That's not even real. (laughs) (laughs) I love this story, by the way. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I still hadn't, you know, personal development hadn't really kicked in at that point. So it's still really sexual and really like, "Mm, that sounds like not even, that sounds like a trendy fake job person that like a bored Beverly Hills housewife would hire. (laughs) Like, oh, I have a life coach now. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, it's free. I already got my massage. I'm feeling pretty good. Let's go see this life coach and see what she's about. And I met her and we sat down and I'm talking to her about the crossroads that I'm at with my job. Do I continue be- being a project manager um, somewhere? Because that's what my resume says to the world I am. Mm-hmm. Um, or... Do I figure out something where I can help women who have been in my shoes, who have walked parallel paths? Um, maybe they've come through a personal challenge. Maybe they're domestic violence survivors. Something where they're looking to reinvent themselves. How do I do that? Because I don't want to go back to school to be a therapist. I don't want to be a psychologist. I know I can help people now. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to do it or how to reach them. And so through our coaching session, we got to a point where she was like, it kind of sounds like you want to do what I do. 
And I'm like, what? Like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> I what's happening. I'm not a Beverly Hills housewife right now. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know about like working in a spa. Like, I, I don't get it. And yeah. he's like, no, it sounds like you want to be a coach. Um, look into it. Here's some, here's some information about it. And um, she sent me on my way with some homework to research coaching schools. And she's like, it's, it's much more affordable than like going back to school to become a psychiatrist or something and um, much less time. And it can really give you some skills that you might resonate with. Um, so I did it. I went on my merry way being like, I don't know about that. Like, what is, what is this even thing? But I'll Google it anyway. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Yeah. What else am I doing with my life at this point? (laughs) (laughs) And so I found a program that really caught my attention and I was very interested in it. Um, Fast forward, I went through the program. It was seven months long. It was with a school called IPEC. It was amazing. Um, And I was like, yeah, like I can, I can really use this training to help people. Yeah. And I want to run my own business. Ta-da! Something else I've never done. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Like, I I think that was kind of a situation of the universe pushing you gently, (laughs) maybe, (laughs) into what you needed to be doing and how you should be helping other people. Because sometimes, like, we just can't get there. And I'm learning through what I'm going through right now. It's like, I think I went through some stuff to get to where I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to appreciate that stuff as even though in the moment it feels like garbage. It's like, what is happening? You know, like, <laughs> I don't understand. But I think we do have to go through some of that hard stuff to get to where we need to be. So that's awesome. Tell us about how you're through your coaching business. Now you're trying to impact 1 million women. Tell us more about that because you want to know. Yes, yes. The interesting thing is that I first, when I first started coaching as a business, um, I started out as a self-care coach. Okay. Because, yeah, self-care is something that these women that I wanted to help, that was at the core for a lot of them, for how they got into situations like mine and how they stay in this, this sense of, of I'm powerless uh, mentality and existence. The challenge was, though, that I was attracting clients who didn't want to change. They just wanted to sit and wallow and complain and get it off their chest each week and then come back and tell me the same story over and over again, but not take any action. So for me, that still wasn't hitting the mark. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a sounding board at this point, but I'm not really helping them to make massive changes in their life. Um, which is fine because everyone, you know, walks different paths at different rates. So, you know, those women needed to be there right then. Yeah. I knew that I could better serve, um, with women who are ready to take action. And so for me, I was like, okay, so running my own business means I can choose who I want to work with. And I can choose uh, kind of to what ends these people are looking to achieve. Um, If that makes any sense. But essentially, (laughs) you know, you have full reign over who you decide. Yeah, every decision and who you decide to work with and what kind of change you want to affect in the world through your business. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I was like, there's women out there 
who are like me, who want to make a difference, but believe that they can't really because they're not, you know, doctor, lawyer, president, whatever. Yeah. In these positions, these like very specific careers, but society is the way that it is because of how we all live. And so if we can incrementally make adjustments in our life that are in line with who we aspire to be, mm-hmm. that's how we change the world. That's how we make ripples of impact, not just how we behave, but who we inspire to behave differently as well. So they can say, wow, she's really committed to being compassionate. She's very committed to the environment. And it's not easy and it's not a traditional life that she's living, but man, she's doing it. Maybe yeah. I can do something too. Yeah. So there's power in being a role model and sticking to what you believe in, but it all starts with knowing what you believe in in the first place. So I decided that we are all worth more than just living up to generalized expectations. You know, you go to school, you get married, you have kids, you get a house, you get the white picket fence and a dog and a cat. (laughs) And that's supposed to be kind of the mindset. You're supposed to be happy Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to be good enough. And I'm like that, that's not good enough literally for anybody, whether they admit it or not, that might contribute to happiness. Of course, you know, relationships, kids, all that stuff can, can contribute to happiness but what do you want to do in this world? Like what kind of mark do you want to make? And that's just a conversation that people just generally are not having. Mm -hmm. So I decided that, okay, my business is not just going to be coaching individual women through like, you know, small scale transformations. This is to a larger end. And my, uh, my vision is that this is, these are the, what I'm working in now are the building blocks for a massive foundation where whatever you're looking to transform in your life, if you need to reinvent or in the future, if, you're, if your job got replaced by robots and you don't know what the heck you're doing now because you, your job is now obsolete. If you need to reinvent, if you need to start over, if you need to transform, come on in. You know, the Robin Eckersley Institute is here to serve you. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. And like the, the juicy nugget that you just said um, a little bit ago is that women need to incrementally change and then they can make, have ripples from that. Mm. And the reason why I say that's the juicy nugget is because we all think it's going to happen overnight, myself included. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I think I can change everything in a night, but it really is a journey. And we have to be comfortable being on that journey and changing ourselves first before we can change other people. Yes. So I like, I really like that you said that because that's, that's what we need to hear. That's what we need to strive towards. Just like make those small changes one at a time because we can't do it overnight, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And honestly, like as much as we want that kind of like quick, I'm amazing now. And like, I'm even more amazing than I was yesterday. Yes. You know, that experience, if that was, if that happened that way, can you imagine the lessons we would miss out on learning, you know, by struggling through it day by day and forming new habits and 
being very intentional about the decisions we make, which can get super tiring. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this, am I purchasing some food that's in line with my values? Like, God, am I, do I can I just like, have a burger? <laughs> yeah. You decide. Yeah. When you decide you want to be about something, walking the talk can be exhausting, but you know, it's, it's worth it. If you've chosen something that truly represents who you want to be and the legacy that you want to be leaving behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is so difficult. So through, through this process of helping women identify what they stand for, what is the first question that you have your clients ask themselves? Because even just listening to you, I'm like, do I even know that? Like, I'm not so sure. Like I have this, I know what I want to do and what I'm trying to accomplish and who I want to help. But it's like, do I know what I stand for? So how do you help your clients get there? Yeah. So that, depending on what kind of work they've already done before seeing me, Mm -hmm. that can be like months. That can be just like a session of like, oh, I have a vague idea, but I've never articulated it before. I've never actually put it into a sentence before. Yeah. Um, It depends on where they're coming from. But essentially, it's it's digging into why they make the decisions they do, why they live the life that they in the way that they do, and is that truly in line with who they believe they are and who they believe they want to be in the future? Um, the idea of what do you stand for is kind of like a, you know, it's it's a type of line that's in like songs and movies and comics yeah. and like very heroic kind of thinking, and you know, the worst thing I can think of is that we're all aspiring to be average. And I don't think that's the case at all. And yeah. And, you know, the joke is that we're all trying to be unique, just like everybody else. But the idea of knowing what matters to you most. And in that term, I'm thinking in those terms, I'm thinking of your core values. Mm -hmm. Um, What values are actually yours? And do you want to carry those values forward? Because a lot of times our values are passed down from yeah. our parents, from the people we're around. Um, are they your values? Or are you just kind of walking and living those values because everyone else is around you? And is there something larger than yourself that you want to choose to be in service of? Mm. And people might translate that into like, oh, I live in service of God. I live in service of, you know, spreading the good word, whatever. Um, however that's packaged, but at the end of the day, what is it that truly is your mark that you're leaving? You know, if someone were to say, I just met this woman, Felicia, and she's about X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. does what she say about you and what you represent truly match with the impression you're trying to leave with the mark that you're trying to leave on someone? Are you trying to leave people that you meet, uh, feeling empowered? Are you looking to um, give them a message of hope, give them a message of strength. Um, are you looking to help them access their creativity? You know, yeah. what is it about you that you're like that trail of fairy dust behind you that you leave? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Um, and how can that be in service of us being a better, just species overall, a better society overall? Um, and it's not stuff that we talk about. No. I mean, it's this, we get to the same core where I get to the same core with my clients through a series of different approaches, depending on where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that could be one-on-one coaching where we're sitting down and we're having a conversation. We're peeling back the layers, really getting in that soul. Um, Or maybe it's them at my Design Your Why workshop, which is just two hours and we go through a workbook together that I put together five different exercises and they start to know themselves at a deeper level. So there's a bunch of different paths, but all roads lead to Rome. So once we understand that why, that core of who you are, then we can understand, okay, how? How do you walk this talk? How do you live this why personally, professionally, financially, emotionally, like all of these different outlets? It's kind of like, once you have your why, then you can move the ball and set all these like dominoes off into effect gradually throughout your life, step by step. This, honestly, I I haven't heard any other coach talk about this. And to be honest, I think this is the most important. And here's why. Because we all want to leave a legacy to our family and all that, but we never really sit down and sit with it and figure out how we're even doing that. Like we all have this idea of we're going to leave a legacy to our family, but it's like, do we even know how? Do we even know how we're going to go about doing that? What that even looks like? So what you're saying is like, you're identifying all of that. And like you said, peeling back those crusty layers and seeing what's underneath. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's huge. And honestly, I know I'm going to one of your design your why workshops because my friend has sung your praises for months to me, seriously months. And she's like, Robin's amazing. You need to talk to Robin. You need to meet Robin. I'm like, okay, I'm going to meet this lady Robin. And then we ran into each other and I was like, yeah, I know you, but I don't know you. Yes. <laughs> so next workshop, I, I will be there because I've heard nothing but fabulous things about your workshop awesome. even just hearing you talk it's like that's something I need to get in tune with like go deeper yeah. and figure out my legacy so I love that you said that yeah oh I'm so I'm so happy that resonates with you um it's really it's a cool process to to start to realize like oh my gosh this is why I am the way I am and this is what's truly important to me and uh, this is what I want to do with it going forward. Yeah. Now, it's really interesting. Like the term legacy is so interesting because it's like in our society right now, legacy means um, things like maybe it's a thing that you leave behind or maybe it's financially like, you know, whatever you give your kids when you pass away or it's something big that you've created, like a, a body of work or something. Um, and one of my attendees in in a past Design Your Why workshop, she was like, I don't have any kids and I'm not going to have any kids. I have no legacy. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting to think of how people interpret their legacy, that it can only be through through a certain channel. Maybe it's the children that you have and the lives that they lead or the money that you leave behind or something you create. But when we work on legacy, we take into account the fact that we affect so many people in the world that we will never meet or Mm -hmm. that we will never know that we've affected them. You know, we always hear these stories of that one thing you said to me, like back in the eighties, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. You might never know that like 
you know, that was a big deal to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, you just said it offhandedly, like, wait, I said what now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So if you think about that, like on a day-to-day basis, virtually, digitally, in person, so many different ways of, of us interacting with other people, we're impacting them in a way. Mm-hmm. And so there's a huge opportunity for us to be very intentional about how we move through the world because whether we like it or not, we are affecting people. We are impacting people. So let's have it on our terms, right? Let's make it about something that matters, you know? Yeah, that's perfect. Like, I, I think we just all need to take more time to sit with that kind of stuff because we're all just, you know, grinding out the day, you know, and then the next day comes and boy. Yeah. <laughs> Like for me, when I sit down and meditate, it really makes me stop and pause and then reset, really. Like I need the reset. So I think I love that you said that. Um, So I'm going to wrap it up here, but I have one more question for you because this has been phenomenal. And um, I know people are going to want to reach out to you as well. But before I hop off, I just want to ask you, what is the number one piece of advice that you would give to a woman that might be struggling that wants to start her rogue journey, no matter what that looks like and, but doesn't know what to do? What would you tell her? Oh, that's a good one. Um, two things I would tell her. Uh, some of the best advice I ever, uh, <laughs> I want to say I ever never received. <laughs> to take the advice you would give your best friend or your sister, Mm. whatever you would tell her to do, since you're coming from a place of having her best interests in heart, take that advice for yourself. Because a lot of times, yeah, a lot of times we're willing to, you know, encourage people to do great things for themselves, but we're not willing to put ourselves in our best position or help ourselves and support ourselves in the way that we need to. So take the advice you would give your own best friend. And then two, Take time to explore what matters most to you in this world. Mm. So once you can, you can put that at the core, all the actions that follow, you know, how you spend your money, how you show up to work, what kind of job do you take? What kind of spouse do you choose? When all of that, when you have that understanding of what matters most to you in this world, physically, soulfully, you know, conceptually, um, then the decisions that you make going forward are coming from this really powerful place of like a solid foundation that truly represents you instead of, you know, filling in, getting all these things, you know, like spouse, job, house, whatever, um, that now you're trying to shoehorn into what matters most to you. (laughs) So when we work from the inside out, it's the most powerful thing. So understand, you know, what matters most and then take the advice you, you would give your best friend. Oh, that's amazing. That That's really good advice. I I never thought about it, but when you said it, like the advice I would give my best friend, it's like, yeah, sometimes I don't take my own advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> problem. <laughs> it's so true. It's like, oh yeah, you should go for the promotion. I'm not going to do it because, you know, I I have all these excuses, but yeah. you're, like, you're amazing. Did it, take your own advice, girl. You should go for that promotion too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Robin, for being on the podcast. Really quickly, can you tell everybody where they can follow you and cybersock you? And then, of course, it's all going to be in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't get out a pen and paper. 
Yes. <laughs> but um, tell us where we can find you. Sure, sure. So I'm all over Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, I'm at robin.coach. And it's Robin with a Y, by the way. Um, and my website is www.robin.coach uh, instead of .com. It is just .coach. Oh, that's um, really brilliant. Yeah. I didn't know that was a domain until I set up my website a bunch of years ago. And I was like, this is a thing. Yes, I'm taking yeah. it. <laughs> that's perfect. Because like when you search .coms, like your name will be taken and stuff. But I think that's awesome. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Because there's... Funny enough, when I got married, I changed my name to Eckersley. Uh-huh. Uh, there's another Robin Eckersley out there, and she's a very distinguished professor of like human history or something in Australia. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna let her, you know, have the Robin Eckersley, I think, dot com domain. But yeah, if you want to reach out to me, I'm at robin.coach on Instagram and uh, my website. And then Facebook, I am Robin Eckersley Coaching. Okay. But, I'm all over the place. <laughs> awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes so nobody has to memorize it. But I, I, I'm definitely going to remember your, your domain because it's .coach, not .com. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Robin, for being on the podcast. That was amazing. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us because it, it needs to be heard, to be honest. Felicia, thank you so much. Thank you for holding the space for this conversation, which I thoroughly enjoyed being here with you. And thank you for sharing the stories of other women who have gone rogue. I mean, the more that we normalize going rogue, the more you know, like happy and fulfilled we're, we're going to be as a population. So thank you for doing what you do. Yeah, no problem. So thank you so much for listening to the Go Rogue podcast and definitely go check out Robin because she is phenomenal. Trust me, I've met her in person. I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, <laughs> She's amazing. So so definitely go out there, be brave, go rogue and take some serious action because we are in your corner.